Hi, I'm Greg Lefebvre, and this is The Compulsive Storyteller, a collection of short, personal stories about real events from my life that I can't help telling over and over again. Many of these stories prove the old adage that life can be stranger than fiction. I've decided to make a podcast where with each episode, I retell one of the best of these stories with music and sound. My therapist thinks that maybe in this way, I'll be able to stop compulsively retelling my stories. Well, we'll see about that. This week's story is about a mysterious pair of black lace panties that spells disaster for a marriage. Black Lace Panties I went to play golf one fine spring day with my buddy Dan. It was a sunny Saturday and we had a great time together. We're both lousy golfers, but highly competitive, like a couple of high school kids. Returning to my loft in an old mill building outside New York, I was in a great mood. I took the freight elevator from the loading dock area, whistling my favorite tune, and then walked with a spring in my step down the long industrial corridor that led to my space. As I opened the double doors, I happily called out my wife Lisa's name. There was no response, but I could hear her moving around upstairs. We took turns doing laundry on alternative weekends, and this was her day to do the wash. I climbed the stairs, calling out, Hey baby, what's up? She turned from the ironing board, separating her hands, and stretching out a very thin pair of black lace panties. Whose are these? She asked, more angry than I'd ever seen her in the seven years of our marriage. I caught my breath with an unintended smirk. Baby, I have no idea. I've never seen those before. My nervous laugh made me look as guilty as can be, even though I was totally innocent. And in our house? In our bedroom? How could you? Sweetie, I said, shrugging my shoulders and shaking my head no. I really have no idea where they came from. She rushed headlong past me down the stairs in a tearful fury. I followed her down, calling out, I've always been faithful to you, sweetie, always. She wasn't listening. Out the door she went. I stopped and sat down on the bottom step in confusion, listening to her footsteps echo down the long hallway. Looking back now, I realized that this moment was the turning point in my marriage. If those black panties hadn't have turned up in the wash, things might have gone very differently. Sitting on the stairs, I felt like I had been sucker punched. My day of fun with my buddy had morphed into a major matrimonial crisis in the blink of an eye. I sat there for a while, thinking that she would be back after a walk along the river, but night set in and she hadn't returned. I got worried, and after a few calls, learned that she was spending the night at her sister's house and wasn't accepting calls from me. I was confused because I was telling the truth. I had been totally faithful to my wife throughout our marriage, and I couldn't figure out how I'd ended up in this situation. Stunned, I rose and slowly climbed the stairs back up to the loft to examine the scene of the crime. I picked up the little black ball of lace and looked at it. I had no idea what I was doing. Then it dawned on me like a cartoon light bulb. 
In a flash, the whole series of relationships I had before I was married came rushing back. I then understood how these black lace panties wound up in the laundry on that fateful day I went off to play golf. I was married twice, once when I was young and foolish and 19, and once when I was older and supposedly wiser in my late 30s. Both marriages lasted a little longer than the supposed seven-year itch. The decade between my marriages turned out to be the golden age of my single sex life. My sculpture career was booming, and I learned something that I was unaware of as a younger man. Most women respect a guy who can walk right up and introduce himself. Women dislike a lingerer. A guy who's afraid and hesitates very quickly begins to look like a stalker. I also realized that I preferred the company of women to that of men. I found women so much more communicative and open and so much less competitive. I came to think that while most men want and need women, at a deep level, many men don't really like women. Many would rather hang out with the guys. I, on the other hand, was happiest spending my time with women. I built a beautiful two-story artist loft in a mill building overlooking the river. My place knocked the socks off most of the women who I enticed to enter it. Soaring 22-foot-high ceilings with 16-foot-high windows with river views on all sides. On a second-story deck that diagonally bisected the space, I built my bedroom with an adjoining bath and a huge storage area that contained clothing racks, a couple of dressers, and lots of artwork. When I wasn't working on my art, I was trying to meet women. I'm not a great-looking guy, but I am thin, with what I am told is a disarming boyish charm. I met women wherever I went, in the supermarket, on the street, at art events, even on the MTA. There seemed to be an endless stream of lovely young women who were not unwilling to accompany me back to my little post-industrial oasis. Mind you, I was not interested in an endless stream of one-nighters, but the years passed by and I never seemed to find the right woman. There were, of course, longer relationships in this period that I learned many lessons from. The main lesson being that no woman wants to feel like she's part of a long line of other women. No matter how open or honest I was, it always led to trouble, so I decided to keep quiet on the subject. And as a codicil to this lesson, I also learned that should a woman leave behind an article of clothing, never, ever proffer up the said garment unless she asks for it. This lesson was learned the hard way, and the learning curve was very short. My bachelor's bedroom, and I suspect I am not alone in this regard, was not the epitome of domestic organization. When I had a date coming over, there was always the last-minute cleanup, a quick fold-over of the unmade bed, the weed pipe thrown in a drawer, dirty laundry swept under the bed, Windex the mirror in the bathroom, and fantastic and paper towel the toilet and the floor. Once, the morning after a wonderful evening spent tumbling around my bedroom loft, I discovered an article of clothing on the floor by my bed and brought it to the attention of my date. This sports bra turned out not to be hers, but left over from another evening. Needless to say, this was my last date with her. So I developed a simple system. I designated the bottom drawer of one of my dressers to be a storage place for such items. Should a woman inquire about a lost article of clothing, I would subtly extract the description of the said article, excuse myself, 
go to the drawer and retrieve it. Over the years, this drawer filled up with a wonderful collection of personal and intimate items, scarves, handkerchiefs, and undergarments of all colors, sizes, laces, and patterns. Also over time, and with no particular rationale, I started to store some of my sports equipment in this same drawer. A baseball mitt, a snorkel, rollerblading knee pads, and an assortment of balls. Small black squash balls, bright green tennis balls, a big scuffed softball, and golf balls, both yellow and white. Maybe there was some unconscious symmetry between all these pieces of male equipment swaddled in a perfumed nest of lace and silk. Time marched on, and I realized that I wanted a deeper relationship with just one woman. I think my choice of a wife might have had as much to do with timing as with anything else. Right about then, I met a wonderful woman who was smart, a Harvard, Bennington, and Smith-educated psychologist, and beautiful. She had a spectacular smile, and she totally adored me and wanted to move into my loft and have a taste of the artist's life. When I moved her in, hauling over all of her stuff in my sculptor's cargo van, I simply moved around some artwork and put her dresser beside my two dressers in the larger-than-life upstairs closet area. I also built her an extra-long clothing rack with a double shelf on top, which won her heart all over again. Adding a washer and dryer in the closet also warmed the cockles of her heart. So we started to keep house together. The first few years blissfully unfolded, and we had a great time, both out in the world and in our loft existence. Then in what turned out to be the middle period of our marriage, things started to unravel. She got tired of living in a space dominated by my latest sculpture project, and I got tired of living with an in-house shrink. You know how it goes. We became the Bickersons. When Lisa finally returned to the loft, I showed her the drawer and explained everything about it. How I had lived in the loft before I met her, how the panties were from years ago, and it ended up in the drawer with my sports equipment, and how they must have fallen to the floor when I pulled out my golf balls on that morning. But the explanation only made things worse. I'm sorry, I should have pitched this stuff before you moved in, but it didn't even occur to me. Pure laziness, but none of these things mean anything to me. I even had her accompany me down the freight elevator with the drawer so I could trash the contents in the dumpster, a ceremonial act of contrition. I did, of course, first move all my sports stuff to a section of my loft area that held bigger items, rollerblades, baseball bats, golf clubs, and the like. As I turned the drawer over and watched all those lacy items tumble down into the filthy dumpster, I did have a surprisingly strong sense of loss, which I buried immediately. As we stood by the dumpster, the empty drawer standing on end on the asphalt, she was having none of it. I just don't believe it, she said, as she turned her back on me and walked across the parking lot. Drawers full of women's underwear. It's like I don't even know who you are anymore. I stood there, exhaled a long breath, funneled through my pursed lips, picked up the empty drawer, and trudged after her. But baby, I'm the same guy that you married. Nothing has changed. It's just stuff from the past, ancient history. We tried all sorts of things to get back on track. Marriage counseling, couples groups, books on bringing sex and love back into a relationship, but nothing did the trick. There had been a ground shift, starting with that little ball of lace that no amount of talk or work could fix. Of course, it was not the black panties themselves that did in our relationship, 
but they were the catalyst, the lightning rod that focused all of our troubles and misunderstandings, and maybe even boredom, that all relationships seem to undergo around the seven-year point. The old seven-year itch. How sad that we were never really able to scratch it together. The divorce took forever, and after the final meeting with the lawyers in a big midtown law office, we decided to be civilized and have a final cup of coffee together. We hadn't really planned the moment, so we ended up in a Greek diner. After a little small talk and a few sips of her latte, she said, I have a question I want to ask, and I'd like you to be completely candid with me. Of course, I said. Fire away. Be honest. Didn't those black panties belong to someone you were seeing while we were married? No, sweetie, no. I was always faithful to you. I had such exasperation in my voice that it wavered and cracked. She pursed her lips, shook her head back and forth, laid down a fiver for the coffee, and was gone. That was the last time I ever saw her. Every Christmas I send a card, and nothing ever comes back. The first year after our breakup, I sent a jar of beach plum jelly from the Truro Jelly Shack. We used to stop there as we left the Cape on our vacations together. No response, then or ever since. From now on though, if anyone leaves behind an article of clothing, it goes right in the trash immediately. End of story. Impulsive Storyteller is produced by Peter Kokoma and me, Greg Lefebvre. Our theme music was made by Peter Kokoma. Additional music in this episode by Poddington Bear. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love your help sharing the show. Please subscribe to the Compulsive Storyteller on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts, and it would be great if you'd leave a review. Follow the show on Instagram at the Compulsive Storyteller. And check out our website for more information at thecompulsivestoryteller.com. Thanks for listening. And if you didn't like this one, the next one will be another story. Mm-hmm.